Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast, season two. I hope you are all having a fabulous start to the new year. The start of the new year in the Northern Hemisphere often turns us towards thoughts of our garden already. Those seed catalogs start rolling in and the days slowly start to get a little bit longer and we start to get a little restless, but it really isn't time to start those seeds just yet in most areas. This will depend on your growing zone, of course, and when your last spring frost date is, but it will also depend on what you're planning to grow. So, this first episode of the new year, I'm going to talk a little bit about some techniques that you can use to determine when the best time is for you to start your spring seedlings where you are and how to time them accordingly. So let's dig into how to perfectly time starting your seeds indoors. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. Along the way, we'll talk about the food and agriculture issues that affect all of us and dig into topics that many of us may not be aware of. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. Hey, did you hear that? New intro. I figured we might give a little update to the podcast for season two. There are some other fun things going on, too. The podcast website has been given a major overhaul. If you'd been out there before, the original design was functional but boring, and it really wasn't my style. So I dove in to try to fix that and ended up completely screwing the whole thing up and didn't really have time to fix it right away. So it's been in an under-maintenance mode for like six months at least. But I finally found a web host with some fabulous templates and functions specific to podcasters. So shout out to uh, podcastpage.io. And I was able to completely update the site and add the blog that I've wanted to have. So that's out there now so I can write articles on all these subjects we talk about on the podcast with more detailed information than what can maybe go into these 30 minutes or so that we spend together each week. The website address is justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, and I'll link to that in the show notes so that you can check it out. And while you're on the site, if you scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll find a place to sign up for my new newsletter as well. It will be sporadic at first, but as I write new articles or have new insights on things like gardening tools or insect pests or whatever that may not need a full podcast episode, I'll be sending out notes to all my newsletter subscribers. So be sure to sign up for the newsletter when you visit the website and we'll get to talk more often. And one last note before we dig in, I want to welcome our newest listeners in Belgium and the Bahamas. No offense, Belgium, but I think at this time of the year, when our temps are so frigid here, I'd rather be in the Bahamas. But welcome to all of you nonetheless. Now, let's jump into timing your spring seed starting. In most cases, 
Whenever you buy seeds online or from a catalog or in the little packets at the garden center, they're going to have some basic information. Usually this information includes the description of the plant, its plant family, and its variety, and hopefully a picture. It should also contain whether it's an annual or a perennial, and it's going to be, in most cases of vegetable gardening, it's going to be an annual. Um, its growth habit, whether it vines or it sprawls or it grows like a bush. The number of seeds or the weight of the seeds contained in the packet. The packed for year, which helps ensure you're getting fresh seeds that will germinate properly. And in many cases, you'll have the germination rate listed as well. But the two most important things that we're interested in in this case is the growing zone and the planting instructions. So let's start with growing zone. Usually the description of the plant will tell you it's hardy in a specific range of zones. I'm in the U.S., so I'll use our USDA hardiness zones as an example, but each region has their own version of this. Some easy-to-grow and widely propagated plants like lettuce, say, will say that they're suitable for zones 2 through 11. This is because they can handle a wide range of growing conditions. Other, more finicky, warm-climate plants may prefer to be grown traditionally in zones 5 or 6 and warmer. This is due to the total number of daylight hours and the number of hours in a specific temperature range that you'll need to get them to maturity. And that's not to say that you can't cheat if you're in a colder climate and grow these specimens by finding a faster maturing variety and by starting them in pots and a greenhouse and that sort of thing. But the recommendation on the packet is going to be for the optimal in-ground growth outdoors. The same goes for plants that prefer cooler temperatures. It may be nearly impossible to grow certain brassicas in warmer climate areas outdoors because the temperatures just don't ever get cool enough for long enough for them to get to maturity while they still have enough daylight hours. Again, this is outdoor cultivation. You can always cheat the system by growing indoors, but the seed packets are concerned with the best conditions for optimal outdoor growth, so keep that in mind. Now, what about planting instructions? The seed packet will usually also have directions that explain how best to plant the seed, whether it should be started indoors or directly sown outdoors, um, whether the seed should be soaked to speed up germination, and any other special considerations. It should also list the suggested spacing, light, and water requirements. Now, not all seeds are going to have all this information, of course, but there should be some sort of guidance on there for sure. If you're lucky, your seed packet may even say something like start seeds indoors six to eight weeks before transplant or sow seeds in ground four weeks prior to last spring frost. Now, now we're getting somewhere because none of that other information gave us any indication of how long it's going to take those seeds to sprout and get to the stage where they can be safely transplanted into the ground or if they're being sown directly outside, how early we can plant them and still have them be safe from dying in a hard freeze. Most of that is going to require either doing some research online or having a guide from your local extension service. And what about seeds that have no instructions? We talked last fall about saving your seeds and storing your seeds for the following season, and so many of you may have your own seeds you've collected that you plan to use, which is fantastic, by the way. Congratulations on being so self-sufficient. I love it. But unless you saved the seed packet from the seeds you originally planted, you may not have any guidance on when and how to start those seeds this season. 
Now, in this case, your garden journal is a great help here. If you kept a journal from last season, you should have annotated when you started those seeds and how, and when you transplanted them outside. You can use those notes and the success or failure of that crop from last season to tweak your planting schedule this year. Score one for you in the garden journal. But if you didn't keep a journal or you bought those original plants as started transplants, you aren't going to have any planting instructions. So the information I'm going to provide is going to come in two separate episodes. This episode, we're going to focus mainly on the cool season crops, the ones we typically plant in the early spring or even over the winter in some warmer climates. And then next week, I'll focus on the warm weather crops. I'm breaking it up because the way we determine when to start and plant those crops are different despite what the general planting guides may say. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So most of the guidance I'm going to give you here will be based on a fairly moderate climate, a location that has a slow spring warm-up, moving into the hotter summer months, and then gradually cooling in the fall, because that's pretty much what the recommendations are usually for. But a lot of us don't live in climates like that. For us in West Central Missouri, there are many years where there is no slow warm-up in the spring. It's like bitter cold and late frosts and then two weeks of mild temperatures. And then we get a week where we hit 90 degrees and then it's back to two weeks of mild temps before we're right into summer again. So you need to keep in mind the typical weather patterns in your area when listening to these recommendations. And you may need to make some adjustments. This, once again, is where having a garden journal is going to help you in the subsequent seasons. And one more side note, you've likely heard or read the phrase, as soon as the soil can be worked, when you're reading planting guides or seed starting instructions for spring crops. What does that mean exactly? It's the state that your soil is in where it's not too wet to plant into and it's not still frozen solid if you're in a colder climate. So to test your soil's workability, squeeze a handful of soil in the palm of your hand. When you open your hand, if the soil remains a wet, solid clump, then it's not workable. If the soil crumbles apart when you touch it in your palm, then it's workable. This means it's ready to take on some direct sown seeds or some early transplants if the air temperatures are conducive to what you're planting. Frost dates are the most common guide for figuring out when to start seeds, whether it's spring or fall. However, if you live at a high elevation, understand that frost dates might not always be your best guide for this, and you'll likely need to stick to growing cooler weather veggies outdoors and growing any heat-loving plants in a heated greenhouse or an indoor sunroom. You might live in a particular hardiness zone, but since mountain regions often have drastically different microclimates over the span of just a few miles, you'll need to be realistic and a little bit flexible with what you grow and when you grow it. Now, the first thing to do for spring seed starting is determine when your last spring frost date is on average. 
I will link to a page in the show notes to help you determine that average date for your area. Now remember, this date is just an average, and it has a probability of about 30%. So even though our last frost date in our area is around April 15th to April 18th, We've had frost pretty routinely as late as the 25th, and we've had the last frost as early as the 5th. But it's a good guideline for planting cool weather crops. A frost, as we call it, is actually a light freeze. The classification of freeze temperatures is based on their effect on plants. A light freeze, or what we refer to as a frost, is 29 to 32 Fahrenheit, or negative 1.7 to 0 Celsius. And this is where tender plants are going to be killed. A moderate freeze um, is the next step up from that. You're talking 25 to 28 Fahrenheit or negative 3.9 to negative 2.2 Celsius. This is widely destructive to most vegetation. And then anything colder than that, you're talking a severe freeze that is heavy damage to most garden plants. I will say the biggest mistake I've made in years past is waiting too long to transplant my spring plants outside because I was worried it was too cold. And it's a mistake I see repeated by other gardeners over and over again. Cool weather plants are much more hardy than we give them credit for. So harden them off properly and get them in the ground earlier rather than later. Of course, the warm weather crops have the opposite problem, and I've seen that too. You very well may be starting warm weather plants at the same time that you're starting the cool weather ones, but you need to be patient about getting them in the ground. They are much more concerned with proper soil temperatures rather than air temperatures, and they will absolutely be stunted if you get them in the ground too early, and I see that a lot. So, Start early on the cool weather plants and have patience with the warm weather ones, and we'll talk about those next week. Now, if you don't get a frost in your area, then you obviously can't rely on the last frost date as your guide. But you can find a date that is suitable for planting and work back from there the same way as others use the frost date. This is going to be based on your average temperatures, and you'll want to find the date when your average daytime air temperatures begin to climb above around 50 degrees Fahrenheit for cool weather crops. For some of you in zones 8 and warmer, that's already happening now, and you may need to get yourself some transplants from the local nursery and get moving. In San Diego, for example, you can be transplanting your brassicas and your chard and your lettuces like today. So if you're in a warmer zone that doesn't get a frost or barely a frost, look up your average temperatures for your region. Find where they hit or the date where they hit 45 or 50 Fahrenheit, which is about 7.5 to 10 Celsius, and count back from there for your cool weather crops. We'll talk warm weather crops next week, and I'll include guides for you then, too. Now, for the rest of us that aren't as lucky to be in those warmer weather areas, our planting is based on the average last frost date in spring. So, here are some general guidelines on when to start the seeds of some of the most popular cool weather plants and when to plan to move them to your outside garden beds or your containers. I'll refer to frost date here, but for you warmer climate folks, you can substitute your chosen date. So let's start with the brassicas. In general, you want to start those about six to eight weeks before your last average frost date. This includes kale, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, collards, Brussels sprouts, all those. 
Larger cabbage varieties can take a bit longer to mature, so you may want to start those even earlier, about 8 to 10 weeks before your last frost. Your brassicas should be ready to transplant outdoors about two weeks before your last frost date or even four weeks for some cabbage varieties. They are frost hardy by this point and they should do just fine so long as you harden them off properly. Now, I will give you the big if on spring broccoli. If you live in a climate like mine with very unpredictable spring weather where there is a strong possibility of a jump in temperature well before these plants get to maturity, you will likely need to adjust your seed starting and planting schedule if you're trying to grow broccoli. I say this because broccoli grows best in average daily air temperatures between 65 and 75 Fahrenheit. Temperatures consistently higher than this will cause them to bolt and not ever form their heads. And sustained temperatures above 80 Fahrenheit, or 27 Celsius, can cause any heads that have developed to become bitter. Now, broccoli can handle some pretty cold temperatures, though, as low as 29 Fahrenheit if it's a brief dip. So if you anticipate temperatures spiking for more than a day or so before your broccoli reaches maturity in the spring, consider starting it earlier, like 10 weeks before the last frost. This will enable you to put them out into the ground as soon as it can be worked in the spring, even if that's a good three to four weeks prior to your last frost date. Don't hold them too long when starting them early like this because the longer they're in their pots and not transplanted, the more likely they will be to suffer from transplant shock and button up rather than forming a full head. Using row covers at this stage will be critical to avoid any frost damage from very cold nights, but using this technique has allowed me to get a beautiful harvest of spring broccoli much more consistently than waiting until the traditional two weeks prior. I generally only do this for the broccoli. Cauliflower and cabbage seem to be much more forgiving when it comes to some spikes in temperature, so I plant those as usual about two weeks prior to last frost. Now, if you're in zone 8 or warmer, you may actually decide that you'll be better off growing brassicas as a winter crop by starting those plants in the late summer. Crops like broccoli, cauliflower, and cabbage need to get in the ground super early for your area for a spring crop. But the more leafy brassicas, like kale and collards, seem to be a bit more forgiving, so you may try getting those in for spring and then save the others for a fall planting. So let's move on to lettuce. Lettuce is a super popular one in the spring, especially since it tends to get bitter and bolt when we get into much warmer weather. In warmer climates, you can just direct sow those in the ground or in your containers as soon as the soil can be worked, and they'll come up as the temperatures allow for germination. In colder climates, you'll want to start lettuce about six to eight weeks prior to your last frost date, and then transplant them out about three weeks before your last frost. Yes, they can handle the cold. In fact, they thrive in it. If you're worried about a deep cold snap, utilize those row covers. Just be sure you're checking those soil conditions prior to transplant. If the ground is too saturated from spring rains or snowmelt, there won't be any airspace in the soil for those roots to move through and take hold, and no way for the roots to get the oxygen that they need, and so your plant will suffer for it. It's better to hold on to that seedling for just another week than to transplant it and have it essentially drown. Um, but the air temperatures aren't as much of a concern at that point as you might think, so plan your timing accordingly. 
And how about spinach? Spinach is another really good spring crop in cooler climates. Now keep in mind, in most climates, you can overwinter spinach pretty successfully. In warmer climates, in fact, you'll likely have more luck with this as a late summer planting and growing it through the winter and into spring, and then starting all over again in the fall. In colder climates, you can do this too, but your winter spinach will go dormant and you may need to cover it depending on your air temperatures. But the bonus to this is that you'll have immediate growth as soon as the daylight hours get longer and the temperatures begin to warm. But if you're starting from scratch in the spring, start your spinach about six to eight weeks prior to your last spring frost and then set them out about four weeks prior to your last frost date. This is one that you can absolutely just direct sow right in the garden if you prefer. Spinach will germinate in temperatures as low as 35 degrees Fahrenheit, but optimum germination happens at around the 70 degree mark or 21 Celsius. So direct seeding really early on may result in spotty germination. To guarantee a good stand of spinach, especially if you're harvesting them as larger leaves, starting indoors and then transplanting is the way to go. If, however, you're planning to harvest as baby spinach and you're planting in a mass planting rather than in rows, then broadcast seeding directly into the ground or the container is much easier, and it leaves more space indoors in your seed starting area for other things that need to be started early. Now, here's one that people don't often think about, and that's onions. If you want to grow big, beautiful onions in most climates, you're going to want to plant them from plant starts, not sets. I'll have to do an episode entirely on onions because they're super confusing. And the differences between starts and sets, long day, short day, day neutral, planting dates, all of that, it can be super overwhelming. And it took me years to figure out growing onions. But if you already have globe onions in the plan for your garden, you'll want to start those seeds about 12 weeks before your last frost and have them ready to plant outside four weeks before your last frost. For a lot of us, that means starting our onion seeds indoors in the middle of January and then transplanting them out mid-March. In warmer climates, you'll either need to start them in late October and then transplant them like right now. Or start them from seed in late August and then transplant them in October. You've got way more options in zones 8 and above when it comes to timing your onion starts. And then finally, Swiss chard is another one that does really well in cooler temperatures and is transplanted out pretty early. Start your chard seeds about 6 to 8 weeks prior to your last frost date and then transplant them out about two weeks before your final frost and you should have a nice long season to harvest them. Now I know some of these might surprise you and it seems super early to put a lot of them out but like I said the biggest mistake I've seen in my own gardens and in others is not getting these spring crops out early enough so start your seeds early. You'll notice I only talked about a handful of these because we're focusing on transplants right now. There are plenty of seeds that you'll want to just sow directly into the ground in spring, like beets and peas and carrots. It's not to say that you can't transplant those. You certainly can. But root vegetables generally don't like to be disturbed once they've gotten going, and moving them for transplant can cause really wonky growth in the root. And things like peas just do so well directly in their place in the garden, I've never seen a need to transplant them. 
it's just always seemed like more effort than necessary. So I've only ever focused on those plants that needed the head start. Now, if you've had success in transplanting these types of crops, I would love to hear from you about how and why you did it this way and what the benefit was for you. So now, what about the warm weather plants? Are you determined to save some money in the garden this year by starting your own summer crops from seed instead of buying starts from the local nursery? Fantastic. Just know that a lot of those summer plants take a little bit longer to get to the right size for transplanting, and you'll be starting many of them right alongside the early spring plants. So timing and spacing can become an issue. You'll need to plan and prioritize. The other thing to know about the warm weather crops is their transplant date has a lot less to do with the last frost date than you might think. That's why I opted to do this in two separate episodes, because there's some special considerations for those heat-loving plants that you'll need to pay attention to so that you don't end up with a room full of full-sized pepper plants ready to go in the ground when the soil isn't ready yet. So we'll dig into those summer crops on next week's episode. So hey, don't forget to check out the updated website at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com and sign up for the new newsletter. Also, I have a very special free download for you. I put together a garden planning primer to get you all ready to go for the upcoming gardening season. It's essentially the 10 things that you should be doing before you even crack open that seed catalog to get yourself and your garden ready to go and off on the right foot. You can get that download at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash primer. That's justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash P-R-I-M-E-R to get that free guide. So until next week, my gardening friends, think warm thoughts of spring while you peruse those seed catalogs. And if you're in zones eight or warmer, go grab the seeds of some carrots and radishes, turnips and beets, and toss them in the ground. Now's the time. I will talk to you next week. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to patreon.com slash justgrowsomething to find out how. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon. I'd like to thank my patrons over on Patreon for supporting this and every episode of this podcast. Patrons of this show get access to exclusive content on the Patreon page, bonus hotshot episodes, monthly live Q&A sessions with me, Just Grow Something merchandise, and more. But above all, they get my undying gratitude for helping make this podcast possible and helping me reach for bigger goals like stipends for guests, improved software and equipment, bonus content, and more. If you'd like to support the show by becoming a patron and also receive my undying gratitude, head over to patreon.com slash just grow something or use the link in the show notes.